0: What's up, fam? Welcome back to the World Let's Go podcast. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I hope you're having a great week, but per usual, it is about to get way better because I have a fantastic guest on the podcast. I'm so excited to interview. I have Ann Voskamp on the podcast. She is probably no stranger to any of you. She's written several books and now she has a children's book out, which I am super excited about called Your Brave Song. I'm excited because I get to read these children's books to Honey, and not only do I get to minister to Honey through that, but it ministers to me when authors like Anne write children's books. So Anne, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for taking the time to just be on and encourage all of us.
1: So good to be with you, Sadie. Anne makes my my heart sing to think about, I mean, as a mama of seven kids, I have read thousands and thousands of books (laughs) um, to kids. uh, We homeschooled our kids. It was like two hours of reading every day and then tucking kids into bed at night. And you're right, Sadie, when we go ahead and when we read books, As the mother, yes, we want to impart something to our children, but it's also really beautiful when the book is actually speaking to parts of our own souls, too.
0: It's true. And it Mm -hmm. happens so many times. Oh, man. I have Mm -hmm. this one book I've read over, Honey, so many times. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll let Honey pick the book, but I end up picking that one every night. (laughs) Um, And it always just speaks to me. Like, it makes me teary-eyed sometimes whenever I read it. It's um, called—what's it called? It's called um, Goodnight, My Darling, Dear is the one. And I don't know if you've read that one, but it's beautiful. and I was thinking when I got yours, and I have to say, the reason I don't have it here today to show all of y'all the beautiful cover it is, is because I brought it home yesterday so, to read it to Honey, so and I forgot to bring it back. But <laughs> I have to say, what's really cool about the book, too, is my mom just saw it walking past me, and she goes, that book is beautiful. And I go, oh, it's Anne Voskamp. She was like, no way. And it really is just a stunning book. The message is so beautiful. And since I've read Goodnight, My Darling Dear so many times, I'm excited to have a new one to add into the pile of just such a beautiful story and book. And so first of all, mom of seven kids, whoa, I have a lot to learn from you uh, just writing a children's book with all the thousands that you've read what was it that you really were like, you know, I want to write a children's book because I want this message to get across. You have such a good question, Sadie. I think um,
1: I think when we read when we read a children's book we want to. as parents we need to write read a book. That it's not boring for us as a parent to read over and over and over again. It has to be a message that a that a parent needs as much as a child needs. And I think so. Writing this particular book is a book that is as much speaks to a parent's heart yep. as it does to a child's heart. Um, and I think really, really, Sadie. So our children run in ages now from twenty seven down to eight. We have um, four boys and three girls. Um, the first six were um, biological kids or we had six kids across 10 years and then we have a 10 year gap and then um, Shiloh our youngest is adopted from um, China Um, and uh, Shiloh has a literally half of a heart and Shiloh's Shiloh's dealing with medical trauma she's dealing with adoption Mm. trauma she's terribly shy in a big world and writing your brave song really is about how do we go ahead and give our equip our children with tools to be resilient in a hard world. Scared. And I think in all of our minds, all of the time, there's a soundtrack that's running. And that soundtrack lots of times tells us that we're not enough, that we don't belong, that everybody else um, is connected and popular and fits, and I'm the one that um, is isolated and alone and not good enough and i really wanted um i really wanted your brave song to be about what kind of soundtrack can play in my child's heart and mind and in my heart and mind that says i am i'm am seen and i am known i am loved and i am strong not in and of myself but in christ strength. that I am strong to move forward regardless of what a day looks like or what the challenges look like.
0: That's good. Gosh, that's such an important message. And I'm so glad you're sharing it. Um, one thing I love about you is that you don't shy away from talking about the hard things in life. Um, mm-hmm. And that is a gift to everyone who gets to listen to you because um, I think that, you know, We are so saturated with every good thing happening in someone else's life, which is encouraging Mm -hmm. and can be fun to see in and of itself. But there is this aspect of there are really hard things that we're going to walk through. And there are hard things that everybody walks through. Not one person can escape the reality of that. And I love that you're so open and honest about that. When was it for you that you decided, you know what, I'm going to share the hard things in my story? Or have you always been someone that kind of just shares Mm -hmm. um, what God's doing in your life?
1: So good, Sadie. Um, First of all, I think sometimes... um, screens all around us, um, the noise all around us, can kind of sell the lie that if you buy this, do this, your life can look as beautiful as this, and that you think that, okay, if I just plug this formula into my life, I can find a way through that avoids suffering and pain and hardship. And and that is the lie from the pit. This is a broken world, and no matter what we do, our hearts are going to break, and I think um, we do each other. Yes, I strongly. I mean, as someone who wrote a book about gratitude and writing down a thousand things I'm grateful for, I believe in in focusing on the good and the beautiful. But joy and pain are two arteries of the same heart of everyone who's fully alive. So we talk about the good and the beautiful from the Lord, and we also talk about the pain and the suffering, and how our hearts have been broken in a broken world because we give each other the gift of knowing i am not alone yep. in my hard story and we each need to we can give each other the gift of witness and witness hmm. i'm with you in this hard That's story cuz i have my own hard story i see you just as god is the god who's with us just as he is the god of hagar and he says like i see you when we give each other the gift of witness and witness we know that we're not alone in our hard stories And that's the gift we get to give each other. And we give it by saying, I'll go first. I'll tell you my heart story. And I will tell you that God, not only is he good in this hard story, he is a loving, kind Abba Father in this story. And he's taking all the hard things in my life that are... Stories that I would do anything to get out of. He is working in that story yeah. to redeem it and to make it good. It's
0: good. That's so encouraging. Thanks for saying that. Um, it made me think about. I heard in an interview one time you said this, and I'm, I'm probably gonna botch the word because I pronounce I pronounce words incorrectly all the time. It is like You're great, it's, it's a wonder I get in front of a mic all the time, knowing that I'm probably gonna <laughs> do that. We love
1: you in front of a mic. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh, my sweet mom. Oh, she always so... would just lean over and whisper were like the right way to say it which is so great so, <laughs> so um you can be the one to tell me but you were talking mm. about in this interview this idea of just being um open with your story and not you know mm. shying inward and you said that mm. it's the posture oh. of cruciformation. yeah like That it is cruciformation. okay and actually i love this is idea for me. <laughs> i love this idea so can you share that yeah that's or weekly for six weeks, depending on your schedule. If you like it all at once, that's great. Or space it out a little bit. Build the best summer ever with KiwiCo. Get 20% off your summer adventure series at kiwico.com slash Summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at KiwiCo, K-I-W-I-C-O.com slash Summer. Yeah, so cruciform is how is
1: my life, my thoughts, my words, my posture, cruciform formed and shaped like a cross. And I really believe that everything that, everything comes back to, if we want transformation, it it means that we have to look like cruciformation because I believe that all change happens through the power of the cross. So how much does my life, my thoughts, my words look cruciform? And that means cruciform looking like a cross means that that vertical beam Means everything that comes down from the Lord, I'm going to take, give it back up to the Lord in praise and thanksgiving wow. and worship. That's what that vertical beam looks like, and that cross, bring, cross beam, that horizontal beam that's stretching out looks like. How do I live, given out into the world? Reaching both towards God and towards people. So, I want everything in my life to look cruciform. And ultimately, when you are living a life, a cruciformation is a life that looks surrendered. It's good. It's a life that looks given out into the world. And I think lots of times we all want change, and change doesn't come through a self help book. Yeah. Change comes through the cross. So, how, if I want real transformation and change in my life, it's going to come back to what does cruciformation look like in my life? Wow,
0: that that is so good. This is why this podcast is called Whoa, That's Good, by the way. For moments (laughs) like this, when you just drop that.
1: I believe so much that everything comes back to cruciformation. Because in that in that and that act of surrender, that's where resurrection is going to happen. That's yeah. where tr- change and transformation is going to happen. I actually have tattooed right there on my wrist oh, that that's cross. Awesome. So we remember all. Actually, Shiloh, um, our eight-year-old, who is on that kind of a likeness of her on the front cover of Your Brave song, she actually takes a little pen now and she draws the no cross on her. Yes, but she goes even further, which I think is wild, Sadie. <laughs> going to cry. She actually puts the cross and then she goes, but mama, the dot means the stone is rolled away. And then I drew a heart because I want to live that kind of love in the world. But I'm no like, way. Oh my God. Yes. So we all, so my, um, In Canada, you can't get a tattoo if you're under the age of 18. So my 17-year-old daughter does not have her cross tattoo. But my 19-year-old son, who just turned 20, he went and got his when he was 18. And he says now, oh, we should all go get little stones and little hearts like Shiloh draws on. That's so (laughs) So cute. (laughs) But I really do believe, can I remember, can I remember that I am supposed to be formed and shaped like a cross in everything? Because I think when we think about parenting, There's this whole movement towards, well, are you going to be a helicopter parent or are you going to be like a tiger parent or kind of like push your child into everything? And I really believe, Sadie, the kind of parents God's called us to be are signpost parents where everything in our life points the cross, points to the gospel, points to the good news of what Jesus can do and completely change us. So that cross on my wrist reminds me not only am I supposed to live cruciform in all things, But also reminds me how am I being a a signpost parent, pointing my kids back to the complete sufficiency that is found in Jesus alone.
0: That's so good. Gosh, that's a life changing. That's a life changing perspective right there. That's amazing. I love that so much. You know, as you're talking of so many things, I want to talk to you about. But as you're talking, I'm like, you know, I don't know that I really know your whole story of how did you go from living on a farm to now being New York Times bestseller, speaker, all there, and even in your past life. you talk about having all these fears and now you're like yeah, doing oh, all these interviews like there's yeah. so much of your story that I'm like mm. I feel like I don't know how mm. it went from this so to this city. so so tell us a yeah. little bit about your story because I, you did well, grow up I'm, on a farm and now you're not well now you actually still are on a farm your husband's you know, a farmer we're still on a we're
1: still on a farm I'm sitting out here in my tiny house there are sheep outside my window and baby lambs are one of um yeah so I grew I grew up on a farm and, um I was the first Christian in my family. I didn't grow up in a believing home. I got saved in a good news Bible club. Um, My first memory is uh, when I was four years old. um, I was standing on a chair at the kitchen sink with my mom washing dishes and out the kitchen window. My 18-month-old baby sister was toddling across the farmyard after a stray cat, and she was— she was crushed and killed by a service truck in our yard, and my first memory is um, my little sister being killed in front of my mom and I. And i um, as a little kid, I was, hmm. I was terrified of the world where you could, like, people you love could die right in front of you. And so when I was, when I was seven years old in grade two, um, I was diagnosed with ulcers because, like, fear kind of just wow. eating up my gut. Wow. And um, by the time I was in my teenage years, I was um, I was cutting all through my teenage years. Wow. I didn't know what to do with the fears and the pain, um, and I didn't get saved till my late teenage years. Um, and then I, uh, when I was at university, I started having um, panic attacks and I was diagnosed with agoraphobia. Um, just, which is kind of fears of places where you don't think you can get out of, kind of like a being on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God has a sense of humor, right? Totally. Um, but I really, my me working through my fears, um, that that has been a long journey. But really, when someone dared me to write down, she actually dared me to write down. Um, a thousand things, I, a hundred things I loved. And I picked up the pen and started writing down things. I started to realize, oh, wow, what I'm really doing here is I'm counting all the ways that God actually loves me and is giving me gifts. So I dared myself to write down
0: a thousand
1: gifts, which was this the story i unpack in my first book um
0: at the time did you in that journey did you know that you liked to write were you a writer or did you just do the,
1: that uh, the processing yeah this is such a good question city um for me from the time i was probably 14 15 16 all the way through my university years journaling was the way i processed pain if i would i if trying to process trying to articulate where my own soul was at, trying to write out the pain. So I actually, 1,000 Gifts, my first book didn't start off as a book. It really just, I was always a journaler. So I had just started journaling um, my process and how actually gratitude and writing down the things I was grateful for became, um, my God, became the stress intervention for me. It actually became like you you can't simultaneously feel fear and gratitude at the same time. And gratitude radically transformed my life where I started to see like, oh, because I really did believe that in so much of our, and all of us have faced terrible situations and all kinds of traumas in our own lives. And when we start to write down the things we're grateful for, we realize, oh, look at the hand of God is here. Yeah, God is my Jehovah Jireh who is providing for me in the midst of the situation. And it starts to rewire our mind instead of looking at all of, being vigilant for all of the terrifying things that could happen next, which was my story. Hmm. It started to go, oh, I can be safe. My Abba Father is here with me. And gratitude became a po- the posture of my life. So, um, so, 1000 Gifts was my first book unpacking how gratitude transformed everything. Broken Way really was about, my second book was about, if gratitude really is about us coming to the Lord's Supper, he takes the bread. I mean, he's about to go to the cross. He takes the bread and what does he do? He gives thanks and then breaks it and passes it on. So if, 1,000 Gifts was unpacking about how gratitude changed my life. Broken Way was unpacking about how does living a life of cruciformation, living a cruciform life where you live broken and given, shaped like a cross, passing all the gifts that you've been given on out into the world, how did it change my life? And then my last book, Waymaker, really is about how do I have, not look for a way through, Mm. but do I have a way of life, a rhythm of life, a way of being that takes me into His presence, which is my promised Skin. land. And that that way of life, that rhythm of life um, is a sacred way of life. And the C of sacred is cruciformation. And the D of sacred is doxology, giving thanks. So wow. those two have been like markers for me. It's powerful. Um, because I think all of us are living, like you said, right at the top, Sadie, everybody's living really brutally hard stories. Do you have a way of life? that keeps you in company with Jesus, who becomes your actual
0: way through. Wow, that is so powerful. Your story is um, so inspiring. And one thing I love and just wanna draw out of your story is that Mm. your story is really, um, it's really hard. It's very real. Um, I'm sure other people can relate to having a very difficult upbringing and something traumatic happening and and taking your life in such a direction but then also, I love that you know you're you're a farm girl, you journal. that's what you did. That's where you live. But yet God yeah. saw you where you're at and wanted to use your story to encourage people and help minister to people all over the world and that you have. And I think that, you know, I got to interview um, today's been a good day of interviews. I got to interview Beth Moore earlier and her story was, today's been a great day. She- <laughs> A great day? <laughs> a really great day, Beth Moore and Ann Bosco. I mean, no, I'm- Mama Beth, filled, Mama Beth, bring I feel <laughs> <filled laughs> very, very lucky to sit oh, in the seat. Yes, very honored. Yes. But what was really cool about her story, too, is she's just a girl from Arkansas. She has a really tough story, a yeah. very traumatic thing happened in her yeah. life. It took her down a really dark path, um, but then mm. she just fell in love with Jesus. It changed everything about her her life, and she started teaching 6th grade girls. And what I love about y'all's stories is that it wasn't the story that so many people think they have to chase after for God to use them. So many people think they have to live a perfect life. They have to be in the perfect position. They have to be in the perfect city, and the perfect time, and all this stuff. And they put so much pressure on themselves, thinking like they're going to help God write their story to be used by God, but it's really kind of in a weird intention behind it. And I just love that God doesn't need you to position yourself in such a way for Him to use you. Exactly. Like for me, it was like picking. I had, at
1: that time, I had, um, Shalom was just born. So I guess, yes, I had all six kids. Wow. I had all six kids. I was just blogging my experience of how gratitude was changing my life. Wow. I had no comments. So it wasn't like I was like, I was really journaling for me. Yeah. Um, and somebody, an author happened upon my blog that has, like, I didn't have social media. I don't even know how they found actually. And they reached out to their agent and said, wow, you should read this woman who's writing about how gratitude changed your life. And he reached out, actually, he sent me an email and I thought it was spam um, and went wow. to delete it. And my husband said, you should check that out if he's real or not. So I didn't have a I, I didn't have comments. I wasn't trying to build a platform. I didn't have a book proposal and an agent found me and I wrote my first little book with all these little kids around me. And I, I just wrote on Saturdays cause I was homeschooling the rest of the time. Wow! Blogging, blogging on the weekdays and homeschooling, blogging at nights after kids went to bed in the fringe hours, homeschooling during the day, doing barn chores. <laughs> and I wow. wrote on, on Saturdays and that first book, the first book was on the New York times for over 60 weeks and sold 1.5 million copies. Like these are things you That's can say. I was a farmer's like l- literally Sadie, there were 800 <laughs> readers, my blog, like like nothing. I didn't have a, there was no marketing plan for that book. Wow. I'm married to a farmer in Canada. Like I just, wherever you're listening right now, I love it. like God can come and find you anywhere doing the thing that you're just called to do in a way. That you're not trying to position or jockey yourself into anything at all. You're just like, hey, I'm just going to—for me it was, I'm going to tell the story for me. I didn't even have comments on the vlog. I just wanted to make a record for my kids to know, look at when you give thanks to God, Wow, God absolutely radically changes your life.
0: Yeah, it's just faithful obedience is what it is. And I just— I love it so much because you know what? It said on my notes that that was a 60 week New York Times bestseller. And I was like, am I reading that right? Like I literally didn't even say it I in the intro way. because I was like, that is crazy. Like, but that's just God being God. But like, it's totally God
1: being God. I mean, because there was no, there was no marketing plan at all in any capacity. And God did something. With yeah. very little loaves and fishes, that was um, really humbling and scary. But God gets to write the story that God wants to write, and you need yeah. to go. So as much as you may not, you may want something, you also sometimes want to pull something back. Yeah. You know, not want it all, but it's like you know, like actually, I've been bought with a price. I belong to Jesus and Lord, wow. right where I am. And it's not like anything's changed. Like we still live in the exact same place, doing a lot of the same things. But my husband says, you know what? God's called you to write. And that's part of our ministry. I and love that. The kids are all in. And so wherever you are, do the next faithful thing right where you are and let God do with it whatever he wants. But Jesus leaves the 99 for the one. He really it's does. good.
0: What a word. That is so encouraging. You mentioned it earlier, but I want to draw back this idea because you talk about just this reshaping the perspective of what the promised land is and i love this idea because i love how you say like well i'll let you say it but how you just reshape what a promised land is because i love how you talk about it's not necessarily a destination you know and so many of us think like that
1: exactly and i think we have to work really hard not to think like that because our thinking all the time is I'm trying to arrive somewhere. So the story I've talked about in um, Waymaker is that the promised land, we think we're trying to get to a place and ultimately the place where we're not trying to get to a place. We're trying to get to a person and the word shalom Means wholeness and fullness and completeness, peace, Shalom. But peace isn't a place. you can't buy an airplane ticket to it. It's not a holiday. It's not arriving at the top of some ladder somewhere. Peace is a person. yeah. so the destination that we are that we are made for is his presence. It's good. So can we have a complete paradigm shift about what is in the way? the obstacle in your way, the Red Sea in your way, that where you say, like, there's no way through. Can I have a paradigm shift and say, what is in the way is actually making the way for me to turn towards more, towards God. Yeah. So can you, can you go ahead and have the paradigm shift and say, oh, that obstacle is actually the miracle good. that is driving me into Jesus' yeah. arms. Can I see that his presence is my promised land? So whether I'm facing medical issues or diagnosis or all kinds of relational challenges, things that seem like this is an impossible, no way through Lord. Oh, maybe what is in the way is making the way for me to turn towards you and see your presence is my greatest good in life. That that requires, that requires having a, not requires saying, I don't just want a way through. I want more than that. I want a way of life Wow. That keeps me in the way himself. Wow, and that's that means you're going to have to have a cadence of life. What what does that look like? Does that look like? Do I have stillness first thing in the morning? Does that mean I'm having an attentiveness to say, "Who are you, Lord, in my life?" Does that mean, Lord, how am I being cruciform in my life? How am I opening up Scripture and having a fresh revelation of you? How am I examining my own heart to see what kind of fears are driving me? Do I have a way of life that keeps me in a posture of doxology? So for me, that that way of life is sacred, a sacred way of life, stillness, attentiveness, cruciformity, revelation, examine doxology. And so so I unpack it in in Waymaker because I think we, we, how can I not think of life about a destination and arriving somewhere? Arriving is arriving in his presence so that my heart is attached to his
0: heart. It's so good. Gosh, you're so wise. Everything that you say, I'm like, I could sit on that for a little while and think about it for a lot longer. I
1: I am so Sitting in it and trying to actually, because it's one thing, it's one thing to know something cerebrally how do we go ahead and migrate those things down into our hearts and actually incarnate them and pull skin on theology and actually live it out in the world? That's
0: good. You study theology a lot, right? You read a lot of theology. Yeah. So, I you do. know, I love that. And it shows in the way that it comes out of you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, from yeah. so- someone like me, I want to learn more. Like, where do you start with that? What What books do you read? How do you dive into just... Oh, good! Oh my goodness.
1: Um, so I just graduated this past May um, with my master's from Wheaton, um, in evangelism and leadership. And I said to my husband Congrats. after my first class, like I said, I will be doing this for the rest of my life. So right now, I'm I'm, I'm taking a class right now from um, narrative trauma focused care from the Allender Center. Um, but then I will move on to my um, doctorate of ministry because I just I think if we are we need. To be true disciples, like the word disciple means that you are a learner of Jesus. So, like, how am I learning all the time more about His heart? So, for me, that looks like I get ready in the morning. What book am I listening to on Audible? So, for me, usually in the morning when I'm getting ready, Audible plays Eugene Pete. Actually, it's so funny. Shiloh came into the bathroom the other day, and I didn't have Alexa playing anything. I was doing my hair, and she said, "Alexa." play the pastor by Eugene Peterson.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. That's so great. I think, do
1: you have a, do you have a rhythm? Like whether you're getting ready in the morning or whether you're, for me, it's on the rowing machine, always with my AirPods in listening to something. So for me, pick it or pick a, um, for a while, I read everything I could on the Trinity. I really wanted to understand what does it mean to follow a triune God? Michael Reeves has some great books. Um, a book I would highly recommend, uh, Dane Orland's book, Gentle and Lowly is a phenomenal book that, I'm um, my, uh, my 17 year old daughter has read several times. Actually, the other day, I couldn't find my copy and I said, shalom. And she said, sorry, I'm reading it again. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. Um, so I think going ahead and picking up, I think tracking with an author, actually, Eugene Peterson says that, um, of an author that's so a lifetime author that you're going to be companion with throughout the course of your life. So for me, uh, Eugene has been that. Henry Nouwen is that for me. Timothy Keller, I try to read a Timothy Keller sermon. It used to be once a day. Now it's probably three or four times a week I'll try to do a Timothy Keller sermon. So I think pick somebody who's, who you know is a disciple of Jesus who is yeah. following Jesus and say, I am going to pick up the words that you write and and journey with you if I yeah. want to keep company with Jesus.
0: That's so good. That's actually so helpful. And I love listening to Timothy Keller servants. Every time I've listened, That's I learned so, so much. Good. It's always one of those things where if I listen to it in the morning, I find myself like not able to stop telling people what I heard later that day. I'm like, Oh, let me tell yes. you what I just heard. Let me tell you what I'm thinking about. Like, cause yes. it's so good. And yes. then also Beth actually said in the podcast today as well that i need to listen or at least read eugene peterson so that's the second time i've heard that today well, so I hey say, and i would yeah, definitely totally be for that. me
1: one of One of the greatest, I worked with Eugene on um, the message when it had its 25-year update in the language. So for 18 months, I lived in the message, working through it. And it was one of the, I just, I love Eugene's heart after the Lord. And Eugene truly believes in upside down kingdom, that we're not trying to, that there are no platforms for Christians. There are only altars to come and die on. And Eugene really actually Embodies that. That's awesome.
0: Well, I'm definitely gonna start reading. One thing you said earlier in the podcast that I think is mm-hmm. gonna be really cool for a lot of people to hear because uh, you said you were the only Christian in your family and you yeah. got saved in a really. Interesting way, I didn't hear exactly what you said. And I want to ask you about yeah. that story because yeah. there's probably a lot of people listening to this podcast that their family's not a Christian and they listen to this podcast and they're interested in Christianity or they, you know, started following along, reading the Bible, whatever it is, but they might be the only one. Uh, what did that look like yes. for you? And tell us this story. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, um, I was raised
1: in a non Christian home. Um, my And my parents were really just reeling from the pain of, um, my sister being killed and just my father, I write about 1000 guests My father said like, you know, if there really is a God, he must've been asleep at the wheel that day. Like there's just a lot of pain. Why would a good God give us a story like this? Um, But uh, just uh, around the corner down the road, um, there was a Dutch woman who had a grade eight education, who was an immigrant to Canada. Her, 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 accent was really really thick and she really loved jesus and she started a good news bible club and for 23 years she opened her home up every friday night to share the gospel with all the neighbor kids and for the friday night they for years and years and years would be an announcement at school kids get off the school bus and come she's 80 kids in her house, her garage, her basement. <laughs> Even to this day we go places and people will say, Oh, Voss camps, I used to go there for Bible Club. And I ended up marrying her youngest son. And I got saved at it." so there's a woman no who way. had a great who had a great education, who had a thick Dutch accent, but said in this place right where I am, I am going to share Jesus. Wow. And I got I got saved at her Good News Bible Club. And she never got to, she went home to Jesus. I loved her so much. Yeah. She went home to Jesus before I wrote 1,000 gifts. She never saw the rest of that story at all. But the little girl that got yeah. saved in her Good News Bible Club got to go ahead and keep passing on the torch of faith to a lot of other wow. people too. So I think uh, in the midst of, um, I think it matters that if there are people down your street who don't know Jesus. There are kids in dark places in your community that need to know the hope of Christ. How can you reach out and just grab coffee with somebody? How can you do something to reach out? I mean, there's all kinds of whether it's Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever, having a barbecue in the middle of the summer, and just to be a light in your own community because you it's don't powerful. know the ripple effect that can actually have.
0: That's so powerful. I love that. That's your story, and that's how you came to know Christ because it's so true. Like so many people underestimate what ministry can do just in your living room, you know, yes. on your couch, yeah, inviting yeah, exa- people in. Exactly.
1: Yes. Totally. Your your fr- I got saved on a front porch, and I think like, your front that's porch awesome. can do profound. Ministry. Ministry that has ripple effects
0: all over the world. That's awesome. It's so true. And you never know who's sitting in your home. You never know who's sitting, who's going to go on and preach to many. I mean, I remember when I was at this conference with 2,000 people. I'm sitting in the audience. I just got off Dance with the Stars, had no idea what my life was doing or turning into, and had a lot of questions. And I'm sitting there, and I grew up in a super traditional background where, um, lot of different things in our church one one of the things was women didn't speak in the church i'd never seen that before I'd never oh, thought yes. about that never even thought i would do anything like that because i'd never seen it and i'm sitting there and alex Seely walks out and she was speaking that day oh, wow. and her message wow. like changed my life and wow. yeah it was really crazy and it was the first time i responded to an altar call like went to the front And the first time I ever felt like the Lord gave me a vision of what He was going to do in my life, I didn't know what that was going to look like, how that was going to play out. But that day I was just like, yes, whatever it is, God, yes. And it was years later that I started speaking and preaching. And then years later, when I moved to uh, Nashville, went to The Belonging, and uh, a couple months in, I I got lunch with Alex, and I said, you know, you don't know this, but— it was your message when I was 17 that really sparked um, a whole new level of faith in me. And it's when I said yes to God for what however He wanted to use me. And it was just so cool because Alex ended up telling me that was her first message to preach like from moving from Australia to here. And she said, like, she had no idea because it's just a little youth conference, like, what impact that would have made. And so you really just had to be faithful with what you have. And it's incredible and what it's God does exactly with it.
1: what you said, Sadie, like you don't know that you don't know that you don't know. Like we don't know how God's going to connect this, this story to that story, to this story, to that story. Yep. And this is a world of a million, billion, trillion ways. And the only one who understands all those ways is the way himself. The
0: way is so good. I love it so much. I want to uh, ask you about your adoption too, because we talked about your sweet girl mm-hmm. and now you have a yeah. book with uh, her kind of on the cover in a sense. Did you say yes! that's a little drawing? Yes! I love it yes! so much. So tell us, tell me about the adoption, because. Christian mm-hmm. and I, we want to adopt one mm-hmm. day, but just really trusting God's timing in that. Um, what was that uh, story like for you yeah. and your husband? Yeah,
1: so I unpacked that in Waymaker. Oh, what a story. Only God writes all of our stories. He, he is like, He is the word because He only writes good stories and redeeming all of our stories. Um, our, our youngest, uh, Shalom she had always said like why everybody else had one younger than them. How come I never got a younger brother or sister? I remember one morning she'd come in from the barn and she was crying. I said, what's wrong baby girl? And she said, dad says, I can't ask any more for a baby. And I gathered up in my arms and she whispered in my ear. She said, but he can't stop me from praying. Aww, <laughs> and so cute. And I, at, um, at if conference, I met a young woman who was surfing in China um, taking care of babies, cardiac babies who um, had all kinds of cardiac issues, and I was so moved that wow, people would adopt babies who are terminal or palliative because I know in my own family, um, my the death of my sister caused so much pain in our family. I thought, wow, but still redemptive. If you, when you, if you in Christ, we're not afraid of death. In Christ, we know that. So uh, so she showed me this picture of this little baby girl. And she said, uh, her name in English is Shalom. And I said, Oh, the only Shalom I've ever known is our Shalom. And she said, Oh, maybe my Shalom goes with your Shalom for a double fold measure of peace. And I felt like lightning. struck me. And um, we had to leave and Annie Downs was standing there and she said, are you okay? And I, I was trembling and Jenny said like, Anne, are you all right? And I said, I turned to Jenny and I said to Jenny Allen and I said, I think I just saw a picture of my daughter, which was the most like audacious thing ever. Wow. I had no idea how challenging adoption was. Um, and I came home and I said to my husband, I said, would you consider adopting a baby girl who's terminal? She literally has half of a heart. And our son Malachi said, and we I went, we went to all of our children and said, how would you feel if we adopted a baby who like is terminal? There is no like, she will need a heart transplant, but there is no fixing or curing her heart. And and Malachi at the time he was 13, 12 actually. And he said, um, She's, she's terminal. We said, yes. And that, like, cause I knew it, how painful it was to lose a sibling when I was a child. And, and he said, well, are we all terminal? Like, well, actually, you're right. And then he said, and, and she would need to know about Jesus. And yep. And he said, well, so then I really don't know what the issue is at all. We're all terminal and we all need to Jesus. Wow. <laughs> That's so, <laughs> so awesome. Um, <laughs> and then he was diagnosed with, um, he was diag two days after our dossier logged into China and we were matched with her. Um, two days later, Malachi was diagnosed with type one diabetes
0: No, way. and our
1: adoption agency said, uh, oh wow, your life just completely changed. If you don't want to go ahead with this adoption, we completely understand. And Malachi said, no, 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 no. We are supposed to go ahead with this option, and I know that God gave me type 1 diabetes so that Shiloh doesn't think she's the only person in our family that has some hard, hard challenge. Wow. She will know that I also have a hard, hard challenge that means I need to lean on Jesus too. So it's been um so we have Malachi with type 1 diabetes and Shiloh with literally have a heart we've been through. Um, she's had three open heart surgeries and actually, um, just this coming week, we go back to the big city hospital. She has, um, a six hour heart procedure, but Lord willing, we have the Lord. It makes us know that every single day with her is a gift. Someday she will have a heart transplant in front of her, but she's faced so much medical trauma and adoption trauma that writing your brave song was really about what kind of tool can I put in your hands so that you have a soundtrack in your mind that you know that jesus loves me he's makes me strong in him i'm brave and i belong it's
0: so powerful the words to that are so powerful and you're right everybody needs to hear those words one thing i love about your family is the names of your kids and i think just like it's just speaking that <laughs> over true. your kids is so powerful and you know we named honey honey for a very specific reason yes. and even praying yes. about our next baby's name, it's yes. for a very specific on purpose reason. Yes. And so can you share the names of your kids in yes. the meantime? Oh. <laughs> so uh, our
1: firstborn is Caleb, because uh, Numbers tells us Caleb had a different spirit and followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Our second son's name is Joshua, because my husband said, oh, be Caleb and Joshua. They will trust the Lord, not believe in the giants and go into the promised land. Wow. And then our daughter's name is Hope. From um, Jeremiah, for I have plans for you to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Wow. And then our next son's name is Levi, says in the New Testament. Well, there's a couple of reasons. Levi was the third son. And it, she says that now I know that my husband will be attached to me because I had his third son. My husband says I can't use that as a reason why he was attached <laughs> to me before I had the third son. Uh, but it's in awesome. it the New Testament that Le- uh, Levi got up and followed the Lord immediately. Hmm. So that we named so we named him Levi. And then Malachi, actually, when we named Malachi, one of the elders at the church said, Oh, he is the last of the prophets. Does this mean now that you will have no more children? <laughs> That's like, no, so no, funny. Um, um, uh, Malachi, that he was a, a messenger for the Lord. And then we named our last biological child, Shalom, meaning completeness and wholeness. And when we saw, um, her, her name was, uh, Shalom Yushin in China, um, and we talked about adopting her. Our little Shalom said, Mama, she can be the Shalom in our family and you can give me a different name. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and we said to Shalom, no, no, no. We, You'll stay Shalom. And so Shalom is probably the closest to um, the meaning of Shalom. But actually, when we were in the adoption journey... Um, I went to, um, actually Israel with, uh, Lisa Turkos on a tour of the Gospel of John. So we were going to all wow, the places of the cool. Gospel of John. And we only had one place that we were visiting in the Old Testament. And we went to Shiloh. No way. Where Hannah, where Hannah prayed for this child. So I remember getting down wow. on my face with Rebecca, with Rebecca Lyons. And I was just bawling because we didn't know if the adoption was going to happen or not. And so I tell Shiloh all the time that her mama, mama went to the place of Shiloh where the, the temple was for 360 some years. And I got down just like Hannah. And for this child, I prayed. And so she says, Mama, I love my name, Shiloh.
0: Wow, that is so powerful. I love it so much. I think it's so funny so, too. kind of crazy. No, I love it. I love it. I love that oh. Shalom uh said she could change her name because I have something to really thank my mom for. Whenever I was young, whenever the movie *Spirit* came out, you know the horse. The do you, do you remember that movie? <laughs> yes, it's like Spirit. yes. We go yes. to the theater. I was so inspired by the story of this horse that I left the theater and I said, "Mom, can I legally change my name to Spirit?" <laughs> And she said, <laughs> she said no. And now that I do what I do, I am so glad my mom did not let me change my name to Spirit. Your mom did not let you change <laughs> to Spirit. That would be weird. Uh, so I'm that so would be kind. Hey, of weird. You, you got, you got to love a good mama, knowing what to speak over you, and knowing Nobody what to name totally, you, and so I love it. So well, Anne, you're so you're thanks amazing. Thanks. You're such a good mama for all of us to learn from. And I'm so thankful that we have a book now that we can speak over, read over our. kids. Kids in such an yes. articulate and beautiful way that ministers really to us mm. as well. And so you're such an inspiration to so many. Thank you for mm. continuing to step on platforms and share your story and just being who you are. You're just awesome. And I'm grateful to know you wow. and grateful you're on this podcast.
1: Jesus is worthy and none of us have a brave song. Apart from him, the one who laid down his life for us and gave us a new heart and a new song. The one who (laughs) says to Zephaniah, he sings because of us and refreshes His our lives with his love. I think that's the kind of song I want to keep reminding myself over and over. The refrain I want on repeat, Sadie. Good.
0: That's good. I do too. Well, thank you so much, Mm. friend. You're awesome. Uh, God go with you, Sadie.
1: Love you to the moon and back, friend. Yay.